My name is Father John Henry Hansen, and I am a Norbertine priest of St. Michael's Abbey in Silverado, California, and I want to welcome you to this retreat on our great and noble Lord and Father, St. Joseph. I use that phrase especially because St. Jose Maria loved to call St. Joseph his Father and Lord, which is a very beautiful way of honoring not only his spiritual patronage, but also his guidance in our lives as a type of a master or a lord. Um, Beautifully, how he guided the Holy Family and how he can guide us as well on our journey of faith. I am giving this retreat at St. Michael's Abbey. I am speaking to you from an office in St. Michael's Abbey in Silverado, And it's very special that I'm doing that because our monastery, where I am right now, has just recently been constructed. We have moved from an old monastery about 10 miles down the road to a newly constructed one. And it was constructed from start to finish under the patronage of St. Joseph. When we first purchased this property of, I think, about 100 acres, we put a little humble shrine up to St. Joseph that he would look over the whole project, which was a very difficult one with many uh, obstacles and uh, not least of which was raising the money in order to um, build a a proper monastery. And St. Joseph has been there at every moment to inspire the generosity of benefactors and of so many people who have given their time and their abilities and and their financial resources and their prayers especially to making this monastery a reality. It is still in some parts under construction, and so if you should hear in the background earth movers or power tools or the voices of workmen calling to one another, I think that's appropriate because St. Joseph is the model and the patron of workers, and I don't mind at all having as some of the background ambient noise, uh, if you want to call it noise or just just ambience, um, the sounds of work, uh, the sounds of of men building up uh, something beautiful for God. So I want to give the credit and the, and the honor and the glory to St. Joseph right at the beginning and let you know that I'm in a setting where he has been very, very powerful. Um, like St. Teresa of Jesus would say, you know, there's nothing I've ever asked of him that he has not provided. And I am, uh, this is where I am right now is concrete proof of that. So with that, I would like to begin this conference, this first conference with a prayer that comes directly out of Pope Francis's apostolic exhortation on St. Joseph called Patris Corde, uh, translated with the heart of a father or with a father's heart. And the prayer is not one written by Pope Francis, but it is one that he says that he prays every morning after his morning office, after lauds. And he says that it is a prayer that challenges St. Joseph in a way. Um, He says it poses a certain challenge to St. Joseph to 
be generous in in meeting our our needs and our petitions. So I will pray this prayer at the beginning of each conference. It is, um, if you have the document in front of you, it is footnote 10 uh, in the first section of the apostolic letter. And so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glorious Patriarch St. Joseph, whose power makes the impossible possible, come to my aid in these times of anguish and difficulty. Take under your protection the serious and troubling situations that I commend to you, that they may have a happy outcome. My beloved Father, all my trust is in you. Let it not be said that I invoked you in vain. And since you can do everything with Jesus and Mary, show me that your goodness is as great as your power. Amen. St. Joseph, our Father and Protector, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are conducting this retreat in a year especially dedicated to St. Joseph by Pope Francis. And so we are given a year to reflect on his role in salvation history and his role in our lives. The first thing that we often hear about St. Joseph whenever we read uh, even uh, the apostolic letter of Pope Francis or, or any article or book mentioning him is that we know so little about him. <laughs> uh, the, that's often the first observation, that he appears in the gospel as the betrothed of Our Lady, as, as the one who would be uh, the husband of Our Lady. And we know also about him that he was a carpenter or uh, a worker, um, an artisan, we should say. And those are almost only the two bits of information we have about him in terms of biography. But looking at that again, we might be curious about a lot of details of his life. We might be curious about his age. Uh, St. Jose Maria said that he loved to imagine him as a young man, not as, a, as, a, as an elderly gentleman, but as a younger man, uh, precisely because of his virtue, that, you know, typically virtues of, of purity are uh, more of a challenge in youth than in old age. And artwork has often depicted St. Joseph as being elderly for the reason of, in a way, uh, uh, reflecting the virtues of an old man, let's say, um, and protecting the virtue of Our Lady. However, a man as holy as St. Joseph has already conquered himself um, at a younger age, so it's very appropriate to, to think of him um, as a little older than Our Lady, but not, not uh, as um, the age of maybe her father. But those two bits of information— what he did and whom he loved, I think are the two most important bits of information you can have about any man. What he did with his hands and what he did 
with his heart. Because everything else in our lives flows from those two places. What we do with our heart and what we do with our actions, with with our hands. And so St. Joseph was a lover of goodness, a lover of purity, a lover of love itself. Any man who would love Our Lady with his whole heart and devote his life to her, to her happiness, to her safety, to her child, is a man who loves only the best and most beautiful things. And at the same time, he is a man who works with his hands, doing humble tasks, building, constructing. And these are works that involve a very sharp mind as well. You have to know a lot about arithmetic, for instance, and and geometry to be a carpenter. And he knew the measurements. He knew how angles go together and so forth. So you have a man who is creative, who is intelligent, and whose heart loves what is right and good. I don't think we need more about a man than those two bits of information, heart and hand, hearts and hands. What we also know about St. Joseph is how ready he was to obey the Lord when God's will became manifest to him. And he had to make surrenders of his own will and of his own comfort and maybe of his own plans at a moment's notice. Whether it's accepting Mary as his betrothed, even though she was with child, or traveling down to Bethlehem uh, to participate in, in the census, getting up in the middle of the night to escape into Egypt, or going back to Jerusalem to search for the child Jesus when he had uh, been separated unexpectedly from the rest of the caravan. And there are other occasions, too, when Joseph must surrender to God immediately. And I would say that the reason he could do that, the reason he was able to be such a good father to the Holy Family and to be such a good husband was because he was first a child himself. He was a child of God, and he knew God as Father. If you know the Lord as your good Father, you are far more prepared to lay down your own will, your own preferences, in a moment's notice, because you know the goodness of the one who is commanding you. It is so much easier to obey when we love, isn't it? When we are in love, there is nothing we won't do for the beloved, even if it's risky, (laughs) even if it costs us a lot. And St. Joseph, before he became husband of Our Lady and foster father of, of the Christ, he himself was a child of God. And he was able then to live with that confidence that a child of God has, that my life is being looked out for by God. 
We often say that a good father is a provident father. It is, uh, and the word provident simply means to see ahead or or to see in a way that's very in- inclusive of of the future, of the present and the future, to look ahead and to plan ahead and to provide for the future. That is that is provident, to be provident. And St. Joseph certainly was that. But to be that, he first had to live in the larger providence of God his Father and to see his life as being a part of that larger providence. That is perhaps one of the basic tests of our own faith life. Do I see my life as being a part of a larger guided providence, or do I see it as just a random series of events, some of which are agreeable, some of which are disagreeable, some of which make me happy and content, and others of which make me suffer? Well, I would say our lives include all of those things, you know, the things we like, things we don't like, things that make us suffer, things that perplex us, and things that gratify us, and that's fine, but is that all we see? Do we see all of those parts as belonging to a whole, as somehow being a part of God's providential care of my life? St. Joseph was able to see that, and because he saw that in his own life, he was able to translate events that happened to him and to Our Lady as being a part of God's loving providence over his life. And this includes, by the way, even even the tragic events uh, that he was uh, close to. For instance, when he was told in a dream to depart for Egypt with Our Lady and the Christ child, it was within a very short amount of time that there would be the slaughter of the innocents. And so as he was leading the Holy Family to the West to go into Egypt, right in his own hometown, there was the slaughter of all of the children under the age of two, all of the boys. And in some way, that had to contribute to God's providence. And in some way, that had to be embraced and accepted by St. Joseph. So our lives, even though they do encompass difficult moments and trials and things that don't seem to fit, are still, in one way or another, a part of God's loving providence. And we're not asked to comprehend. Tomorrow, in our our next conference, I'll talk a little bit about uh, what Pope Francis says about uh, not necessarily understanding what God asks of us or, or the circumstances of life, but accepting and embracing it. And that's a very different thing. Accepting and embracing on faith and confidence in God is not the same as comprehending and then accepting. We can accept that two plus two equals four on its own terms, you know, Uh, Once you understand the terms of that equation, you accept it right away. It makes sense, of course. 
Of course, there's no way two and two could not make four. But if you're asked to get up in the middle of the night and go to Egypt, that might be a little more difficult. Why do we need to go in the middle of the night? Why could not have God told us about this a month earlier so that we could have planned ahead? And that, that, those are questions that often come to our mind when we think of, uh, you know, Lord, if I could only have known two weeks ago, a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago, what would happen today, I could have better prepared for it. I could have, you know, could have planned ahead. And God doesn't always want that. To, to very few does he give uh, prophetic intuition uh, into things to come. God doesn't want it. He doesn't want us to have that kind of preparation for things. He wants us to trust in the moment. And that is what we find St. Joseph doing in, in events such as the flight into Egypt, where it seems like the most inconvenient time, the middle of the night, to be awakened and told, get out of town right now. When we could think, well, you know, in human terms, that type of information could have been conveyed uh, at least a day in advance or two days or, you know, whatever. But it's not. And that gives you an indication of the readiness with which St. Joseph uh, obeyed God, trusted God, and embraced God's will. And you can only do that, again, if you have a sense of, of providence in your life. I think of the example of, of so many other saints, uh, saints especially devoted to St. Joseph, um, but all the saints in some way, who have been able to embrace the hardships of the moment because of a deep and abiding sense that God is present in everything. He is with me, he is around me, and he is leading me on my path. And that does not mean that I always feel his presence or that I feel good about what happens to me. It means that I have a deeper conviction of faith that it is so. And that deeper conviction of faith is a grace of God. So important, so important for us to embrace that because in our lives we have to I had to pause for just a moment there as I was talking about God's providence because, as I said, parts of this property are still under construction and sometimes fire alarms go off unexpectedly, uh, although they're false alarms. So that too is an example of God's providence, a very minor thing, and yet something that uh, you have to embrace without getting uh, frustrated by it, right? Um, and sometimes the little things in life are the things that get to us most. They kind of accumulate to the point where we're saying, oh, it's just one more thing, you know, one more thing today, and things keep building up and adding up. But looking at our lives <clears throat> in terms of a larger providence, we're living in the care of a provident father. And I think we can only really appreciate that with a contemplative point of view. I don't even want to call it a point of view. It's more of a contemplative spirit. 
you'll find that St. Jose Maria or Mother Teresa of Calcutta will say things like, we are um, contemplatives in the midst of the world, or we are contemplatives in action. And the idea behind that is that there are some uh, people in the church, they are uh, consecrated religious, whose lives are dedicated to the contemplation of divine things. That is, they devote a good portion of each day to prayer and to the contemplation of the mysteries of faith, whether that's praying the liturgy of the hours or the rosary or uh, Eucharistic adoration. Um, I know traditionally the Carmelites, who are a contemplative order, have two hours of mental prayer every day. So there are people especially devoted in the church, the, the, the religious in particular, to being purely contemplative souls. But that does not exempt other Christians of either different religious vocations or the priesthood or living in the world. Um, it doesn't exempt them from being contemplatives, from looking at life and looking at the world with an inspired point of view, with inspired vision. That is, looking at it in terms of what is God doing here? What is God saying here? How is God reflected here? Rather than as simply a series of random events or frustrations or things that keep getting in my way and frustrating my plans, um, when we think of all the minor things each day that have the power to do that to us, and you look at St. Joseph, who is so ready to set aside his ideas and plans, we really have a good indication of, of some of the changes we need to make. We cannot change the things that happen to us. We can't control other people. We can't control the direction of the wind. <laughs> we can't control the weather. But we can control how we take it in, how we receive it, what we do with it. And it can be an occasion of surrender to God, of, of embracing his will. It can be, in other words, an occasion of grace, or it can be an, an occasion where we separate ourselves instead from the providence of God, uh, from, from his will for our lives. And we don't want to do that. Uh, we really can't afford to live our lives in that kind of a rebellion against the imperfections and the flaws of daily life. Um, we have to cultivate that, that contemplative spirit which can look at things with a certain kind of, of detachment, uh, a certain detachment in that my peace does not depend on everything going right. <laughs> my peace does not depend on everything being in order around me. My peace, as we read in the Divine Comedy, Dante, my peace or our peace is in his will. Our peace in his, is in his will. And his will can embrace so many things that I might reject because they don't agree with my preferences. Uh, we really can't afford that. And so St. Joseph, in those monumental decisions of his life and those monumental 
moments of surrender shows us how possible it is to do what seems impossible to us as we were looking at that prayer, making the impossible possible you know, at the beginning of this conference. Um, I might also add just a, a couple of examples of saints as well who were able to look back at the providence over their lives and really really have a sense, really, really taste uh, the providence of God throughout it. Um, Saint Jose Maria Escriva, uh, with whom we are very familiar, uh, said he wasn't the founder of Opus Dei. He wasn't. He said, "I'm not the founder of anything. I just got in the way." But he had the the insight, the inspired insight, the the intuition where he saw Opus Dei. He saw that God was calling him to open up a new path in the church that would embrace everybody uh, in a life of, of devotion, in a life of dedication uh, to, to God and to turning all that they do, every, every bit of work that they do, whether domestic or professional, into an offering acceptable to God. But in order to establish this work of God, which was God's will, God didn't make it easy for him. God uh, put him in the midst of a civil war <laughs> and where his life was threatened on a number of occasions and where it seems like he barely survived. And Opus Dei barely survived in, in its early years. But eventually, because he was willing to surrender to God, he was willing to follow God even across the Pyrenees in the snow, he was willing to do all of that. God blessed his efforts with fruit. And one of the fruits is you and me right now doing this retreat, which we would not be doing if it were not for El Padre, huh? for St. Jose Maria. Or I think of another example of, of a saint of, of fairly modern times, uh, St. Josephine Bakita, canonized by uh, Pope Benedict XVI, who was a slave in Sudan, in northern Africa, and who was treated mercilessly by her owners. They, they carved her flesh with markings of, of ownership, and she was uh, just very uh, abused and, and mistreated in the extreme for, for many years until she was purchased and liberated by an Italian couple who brought her up from Africa to Italy, and they gave her her freedom, and she was able to work in their household and eventually came to know Jesus Christ and was baptized and became a Catholic and eventually became a religious sister. Now, in her old age, she was asked by some of the other sisters in her congregation. They said, Sister Josephine, what would you say? What would you say if you could meet right now your former slave owners who had treated you so badly, who had abused you, who had uh, carved up your flesh, uh, who made you suffer so much? And she said, what would I do? I would kiss their hands 
because without them, I would never be where I am today, knowing and loving the person of Jesus Christ. I would not be a Christian right now. And that stops all of us in our tracks. It's almost incomprehensible. And yet, what we call impossible can become possible with the grace of God. And that shows how much the grace of God can transform our lives from simply enduring random inconveniences, random evils, to seeing not simply a patchwork of events, but a tapestry where the threads on one side may look very confusing, muddled, but on the other side there is a picture that is so intricate, so beautiful, and so so impossible in human terms. And yet all we can do is stand back and admire and say, wow, how wonderful God has been, using even the evil threads to make something so beautiful. I use those examples of St. Jose Maria and of St. Josephine Bakita to illustrate that the example that St. Joseph sets for us is real. It may seem too much like a story, uh, a story we're very familiar with that was not particularly challenging or wasn't, uh, wasn't real in some way. But when you see it reflected again and again in the lives of the saints, you, you find that what St. Joseph did was truly heroic and difficult and yet was all embraced with faith and trust in God as provident father. And so it has been with all of the saints of every age who have done the very same thing, surrendering to God in difficult circumstances, and yet with that deep abiding faith-filled confidence that his providence is governing and guiding all things. On this first day of the retreat, I would ask all of us to take a contemplative look at our lives. Go back as in kind of a bird's eye view of your life and look at all of the pieces to it, and especially the ones that stick out and don't seem to belong. And ask yourself if maybe God has a different perspective on those things. Your debilities, your infirmities, your weaknesses, uh, the things that have happened to you. Um, Pope Francis says in his apostolic letter that, that sometimes we don't really believe that God can work through our frailty, even through our weaknesses. And that is so difficult because we rebel against our frailty and our weaknesses. We don't, we don't like to be weak. We don't like to be frail. And yet, God is still working through all of that. So my friends, look into your life today with St. Joseph to guide you, to pray for you, to help you to see things in a light of faith, confidence, and of providence. 
and you'll begin to see more and more how much God has been there, even when you thought he was far away. It might be a cliche, and yet that poem or that story about the footprints in the sand is is often very appropriate, about how in our lives when we went through the most terrible struggles and we felt that we were doing all the work, it was really God who was carrying us throughout it all. And St. Joseph can tell us, indeed, that's exactly how it was for me. That when we went into Egypt and when we came back, it was God who was guiding us the whole way, embracing us and leading us to where we needed to be. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.